Greetings, everyone. This is the Sound Health Options Show with Richard Talk to Me Guy. And Sherry Edwards is nail by nail building the Sound Health Portal, which is very exciting. Uh, you can go to soundhealthportal.com. And actually, currently, they have a couple of campaigns. Uh, now that we've had some rain in California, it's not as bad, but I still think it would be very, it would behoove people's health conditions to go there. And one of the campaigns is about smoke issues. I can't remember the exact name, but you'll see it on the landing page where you can do a vocal print and get a report back on the residue of smoke and what that's in your system. There's also the 9-11 campaign, I believe, is still active. And that was software that Sherry wrote right after 9-11, which is also about environmental pollution and attack, you know, the, the aggressive qualities of many of those particulates. And we had that in California with, I think, the Paradise Fire or the campfire, as it's commonly known, was the largest fire in California history. And just a lot of stuff in the air. And even though we have rain, we're still going to have residue from that. I still know people barking and coughing from the residue. So that's a great thing to go to soundhealthportal.com and look at those campaigns. And I will say this, as I always do, this is one of those shows. Uh, Maria Rickert Hong, a health counselor with an expertise in children and all sorts of immunosuppressive and mm, triggers, I'll call it. I'm certain she'll clarify that for me later. <laughs> Is joining us again today. We've interviewed her a couple of years back when her first book came out. And this is one of those shows you're going to listen to again or share with friends who you know with children or even adults that have some of these characteristics. And you can do that by going to either iTunes or Pocket Casts or Stitcher or Dogcatcher or now Google Podcasts, all those of their podcast aggregators. And you can search for Sherry Edwards. And in that, you'll get a list of the over 700 hours of shows that we've done. And you can either subscribe. Uh, for those that are newish to it, I actually kind of suggest Google Podcasts. And even if you're an iPhone user, you can download that for free. And you can just search for Sherry Edwards and the show will, the Sound Health show will show up. And it's really good because it also will, if you listen to it on one device and then listen onto your computer or something else, it tracks where you were, which is really handy. And you'll be able to find the show and share it uh, with other people who who have children with any of these kinds of conditions or characteristics. And as I say, also tailing off into adults. Because it's really good information, I think, in general, and specifically for parents with children with any of these characteristics, which is really, boy, it's a lifestyle. And I mean that in a better way than it could be taken. It's really a gnarly road, but it's a, ultimately a, a really positive direction. And with that, I'll introduce Maria. Maria Rickert Hong is a former Wall Street sell-side equity research analyst who is now certified holistic health counselor. She's the author of the best-selling book, Almost Autism, Recovering Children from Sensory Processing Disorder, a reference for parents and practitioners and a co-author of Brain Under Attack, a resource for parents and caregivers of children with PANS, PANDAS, and autoimmune encephalitis. As a health coach, she helps parents make diet and lifestyle changes to recover their children from symptoms of sensory processing disorder, almost autism, autism, PDD-NOS, and ADHD. She has recovered her two boys from SPD, Asthma and Acid Reflux, and she can be reached at MariaRickertHong.com. Maria is a board member, media director, and blogger for EpidemicAnswers.org, a 501c3 nonprofit that lets parents know that recovery is possible. Oops, I lost my space there. Uh, recovery is possible. And is the sponsoring nonprofit of the Documenting Hope Project. Maria is also a board member of Parents as Partners. Welcome, Maria. Good morning. Hi. Thank you for having me here again. I would say this is going to be fun, and it is ultimately, really. Everybody just hold tight. It's really, <laughs> it's, it's a road. But I, I think ultimately one of the fascinating things to me, having 
been in the health in, you know world myself since getting a degree as an herbalist and the master herbalist in the let's just say the 80s because that's further back than I want to go and being aware of you know seeing kids or even adults with some of this that I think this is a healthy lifestyle ultimately to begin with but really the, I think I have to start off by asking you about uh, I will put in the show notes the show we had with you when you did your first book because uh, that's mm-hmm. a good reference point as well. But I think we have to start out with definitions so that we kind of have a mm-hmm. glossary of, because a lot of these acronyms are like, what? <laughs> right. So let's start right, at the, let, let, let's start right at the top with PANS. What is PANS? What is that as a general condition, I guess I would say? Yeah. And the problem is, is that a lot, not a, uh, not a lot of pediatricians or uh, practitioners know about these kinds of disorders. They're newer. And so it's really up to us <clears throat> at, at Epidemic Answers and me as a health coach to educate parents to go to their practitioners and their pediatricians to help educate them <laughs> about this. But PANS is an umbrella term. It stands for Pediatric Acute Onset Neuropsychiatric Syndrome. And it can include things like Lyme disease or PANDAS, which is another acronym, and that acronym is Pediatric Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Disorders Associated with Streptococcal Infection. I didn't make these <laughs> acronyms up. Wow. Uh, I know they're a little bit difficult, but um, it is kind of, once you get into it, it's like, oh, PANS, PANDAS. Just remember that PANDAS is part of PANS, and Lyme disease is part of PANS. Um, but PANS could also include other kinds of um, assaults that happen to the brain. And so you get kids, it tends to affect kids most of all, um, kids from let's say four to about 15 years old or like the greatest population of these kids. You get kids that have, it's usually but not always, it's typically defined as sudden onset of things like OCD or ex- excessive anxiety or Um, especially separation anxiety. Um, You could have ODD, which is oppositional defiant disorder. Um, Kids with these issues are known for having rages and like severe mood swings. You could have tics like hair pulling, eyelash pulling. They could have motor tics, you know, like shrugging their shoulders or a funny little cough that seems to be a little compulsive. Um, You could have um, behavioral regression. You could have academic regression. That is a major red flag that something's going on here. So uh, decline in handwriting skills is classic. A decline in math skills. Um, Some of them are sort of harder to separate from neurodevelopmental disorders that you mentioned earlier, like autism, ADHD, and sensory processing disorder, and even learning disabilities. But what we found is that a lot of practitioners believe that a lot of kids with neurodevelopmental disorders also have PANS and or PANDAS. And so what happens, what these um, acronyms mean is that there is an infection that has crossed the blood-brain barrier and is causing all those weird kinds of symptoms. And I want to jump slightly to the side for a moment and ask... Because you kind of coined, I listened to a panel uh, with your co-authors recently, and mm-hmm. you coined a phrase that was soft signs versus sudden yes. onset. Can you talk about soft signs? Because I think that's such a powerful thing to bring into the lexicon is the idea of soft signs. Talk mm-hmm. about those. It really is. Yeah, I wasn't the one who coined it. Um, I think our executive director of Epidemic Answers is. I'm not sure. Maybe even she wasn't. I don't know. But um she wrote a book called A Compromised Generation back in 2010. And what we do at Epidemic Answers is, first of all, we tell parents that there are a lot of those soft signs or red flags. I had them with my kids for, you know, many, many years. And I'm going to the pediatricians and I'm like, you know, they have chronic constipation. They have their failure to thrive. They're throwing up after every meal and or projectile vomiting. Um, let's see what else they had, the, you know, the... Um, Uh, You know, for some kids, it could be the dark circles under the eyes, or it could be chronic ear infections or chronic sinus infections or just chronically being sick. Um, Those are what we call soft signs. And so if your child has any of those soft signs as an infant or a toddler, 
they're much, much more likely to develop a neurodevelopmental disorder and or PANS PANDAS um, because we're, what we're really looking at here is an immune system issue, right? So all those things say that the immune system isn't working correctly and um, if that kid gets triggered with something <clears throat> and the infection causes the brain, then that's when you really get into trouble. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes, yeah. And okay. and I want I'll get back to that, but I want to also uh, just have you talk a little bit about this uh what sounds really simple, but the sensory pro- sensory processing disorder. Mm-hmm. Um I had some of that as a kid, so that's why I'd like you to talk about that a little bit more about you know, children uh-huh. who are are highly reactive or highly not reactive is how I would think of it as. Right, right. And so, yeah, so that's what my first book, Almost Autism, was about, recovering my sons from sensory processing disorder. And I think, you know, I may have had it as a kid, too, you know, looking back. And it's not, I'm not going to say that it's genetic, because it's certainly not genetic, um, which is the point that I made in my first book. Um, It's all the things that are being passed to the child from the mother, unfortunately, and sometimes from the father, uh, so things like toxicity, gut dysbiosis, immune dysregulation, nutritional deficiencies, the hormonal imbalances, and the inflammation, all of that can get passed from the mother to the child. I'm not blaming the mother. I'm just trying to help you to understand where it is that we stand <laughs> in this world today with kids. Um, so sensory processing disorder is when you have uh, either a, an over- um, sensitivity or an undersensitivity, but typically it turns out to be usually kids are more o- overly sensitive to things like lights and sounds. But it could even be things like motions. Um, it can affect your um, sense of where you are in space because it can affect your vestibular system. And uh, a lot of these kids have developmental delays and, uh, you know, <laughs> You're, you know, I, I don't know about you, you may not be able to go back and ask your mom, like, but, you know, maybe some of the parents listening, you know, for their kids can uh, go back and take a look at their child's health history from when they were a baby. Like, were they able to sit up on time? And if they were sitting up, were they slouching or were they sitting up straight? Um, did they crawl on time? Um, my son couldn't, my older son couldn't sit up at six months. He couldn't crawl forward until he was eight months. He would crawl backwards. When he did crawl, he was crawling on his uh, on his tummy, you know, army crawling instead of on his hands, his knees, hands and knees, which is called cross crawling. And he didn't do that until he was 19 months old. And then he didn't walk until he was 20 months old. And so all this says is that there is a, a neurological insult that's happened to the brain. And... Um, so sensory issues can be part and parcel of hands and pandas too, which <laughs> that, that's why I try to help people, especially parents, understand that don't get attached to the label. You know, think more broadly at the root causes um, of what's going on with your child because you may find out, and you probably will find out, that as you dig down into this is that your child probably doesn't have just one thing, probably has multiple um, disorders that could be labeled as such, but they're really caused by the same root causes. And do you think the desire to label partially comes from the traditional Western medicine approach where they want to say, you have this, take this, or we yes. cut this out? And I'm not being, yes. eh, no, I'm being kind of mean to Western medicine. I can't help it. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> we're, looking, we're looking for that label like, I have this, I'm colorblind. Mm-hmm. You know, I have that. Mm-hmm. Whereas, as you say, it's more of a, it's such a bigger picture because all of these conditions um, are such a, you know, they're they're parts of so many things. And mm-hmm. so yeah. where do we, how do you, <laughs> you know, that's where it leaves me. Where do you, how do you, is there a step-by-step? Is that kind of a, what's the, what's the sort of, um I'll say goal, but that's not quite what I want to say about epidemic mm-hmm. answers. What are you trying to give par- What do you want to give parents? I mean, you want to give them hope, and here's a, mm-hmm. here's an idea of what you can do. But what do you, what is the idea of what are you trying to give parents? 
well, a good this, education yeah. so they can begin to see the soft signs themselves and that kind of thing? Yeah. Well, that's part of it. So, I mean, ultimately, like you said, it's hope, and um, it's hope that recovery is possible. We're not going to say that recovery is guaranteed for everybody, but certainly you could bring your child to better health than they were. Um, if you go onto our website, which is www.epidemicanswers.org, um, I've put a lot of stuff in there because uh, I write a lot of the articles and the pages and the posts and everything for Epidemic Answers, too, um, along with my colleagues. And um, you can go, like, for parents, and then you can go to where it says, is this your child? And then we'll have a whole list of different diagnoses for your child, you know, from autism to ADHD to developmental delays to tongue tie and cradle cap and autoimmune disorders and constipation. And we're just trying to meet parents where they are because, you know, me as a parent, you know, I don't know all this stuff. You know, I do know what the label is that my doctor has given to my child. And so that's a good starting point. And hopefully by um, reading through what we talk about is what the common Western approach, which is what you were talking about, the name it, blame it, and tame it, you know, the one pill for the ill <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. mentality Um here's what your doctor will probably tell you. And then here's another way to think about it. And we try to drive them through the root causes. I mean, without writing a whole book about it, but just some key points, you know, typically first step is um, changing the child's diet. Right. And so that's, that's key for anybody that has any kind of chronic disease um, or even acute disease. I would say is really, really cleaning up the diet um, because there are a lot of stressors that are in there. And uh, what we try to do is we try to educate parents is that there's this whole total load of stressors that are affecting a child's body and not just the body, but the brain. And so that sort of goes back to the reductionist thinking too, is that, you know, originally autism um, and other quote unquote mental disorders were thought of as, you know, just a brain disorder or brain dysfunction and those Um, doctors were not understanding that it's a whole body condition. All of these things are whole body conditions. It's the immune system. It's the gut where most of the immune system is. It connects to the brain. And then, you know, there's this whole feedback system. And then, um, you know, it can get kind of complicated. But, you know, what I try to do as a health coach is I try to simplify it for parents, like break it down into those steps that you're looking for. So certainly I would say, you know, changing the diet is number one and also reducing stress. But stress can come in so many different forms other than just, you know, uh, you know, let's go do some yoga and meditation to, you know, help with the emotional stress. Although the emotional piece is a big chunk of this. Well, it seems like dealing with stress not only for the caregivers, but also for mm-hmm. the child is such a huge thing because I, I've seen, I did some work with reme- environmental remediation dealing with mold and issues. And one mm-hmm. of the things when I was talking then was besides cleaning up the environment also, because once you start a stress cycle, I've seen situations where the child gets stressed and then the parent gets stressed and then mm-hmm. it's a loop. It's a cycle. Everybody's then stressed. Everybody's being empathic because they love each other. Mm-hmm. That you know, right. one person's freaked out, then the other person gets freaked out, and then we've got a circle of freaked out. And that's not productive. Mm-hmm. You know, then you've got no. a cycle of kind of the, that low level. Back in the days when we lived in caves and we were afraid of being eaten by dinosaurs, you're always in a state of fear. <laughs> and right. The, and body, the body is, itself yeah. is in flight or fight. So dealing yeah. with stress is really huge. Um, it is huge. The body won't heal unless you're not in a state of stress. That is so important to remember. And it's like, it's one of those duh kind of things. It's like, well, of course, yeah, but, you know, can you really do it, right? And so one of the key things that I as a health coach like to do is to, you know, teach parents about sleep. Because <laughs> you know? I know that when um, my older son was little, he would wake me up six times a night and it was torture. I always say sleep deprivation is a form of torture. And there's a, there are a lot of moms walking around these days who just don't get good sleep because their kids are not getting good sleep. And so 
that's one of the first things I try to tackle, <laughs> you know, with a with a mom, sometimes a dad, but usually mom um, is trying to get really good sleep for the mom and also for the kid. Um, and that will help, you know, increase your ability to handle stress. So that that's one of those key, key things. The other, another is, um, you know, is everybody pooping at least once a day? <laughs> At least once a day, and I don't mean diarrhea. And I know it's kind of gross to talk about, but it's uh, it's just one of those fundamental things that we got to make sure is working properly. And if not, let's you know I can help parents with those kinds of things because I find that once those kinds of things are taken control of, then it's a whole lot easier to implement the other things. Because I think you were sort of alluding to this earlier is that this is really a lifestyle that you're talking about. And it can be really overwhelming to look at this and say, how am I going to do all this? It's, it's a lot to do. You know, you got to look at the food. You got to look at the stuff you're putting on your body. You got to look at, you know, do you have mold exposure in your home like you were talking about? Um, you know, what kind of cookware are you using? What kind of stressors are affecting your child at school? Do you have EMFs in the home? Um, you know, what about nutritional deficiencies and all those sorts of things? And it's, it's, it's a lot. And a lot of parents sort of get stuck down in the rabbit hole. And they're like, ha, ah, <laughs> it's a bit too much. But um, I've gone through it. A, a lot of parents that I know have gone through it. So it can be done. Just know that. And it takes time. And I think really, I'm going to go back to basic plumbing, as I would call it, uh, that you have to, I think that's a, gr- <laughs> I don't know, there's a whole show on that alone. Just talking about mm-hmm. the bowels. All right, everybody just set it aside and let's stop, you know, we can all giggle later. But I mean, really, mm-hmm. it's true. If you get the bowels moving on a regular basis in a, in a good way, meaning like you said, mm-hmm. not diarrhea, that's a big indicator mm-hmm. that one part of the system is working well. And that's a right. primary system. If you're, if the system is holding on to the toxins, let's say you're taking in toxins unintentionally, if they're mm-hmm. if they're getting stuck in there, that's not good. Then you end up with leaky right. gut and all that. So I think that's right. why I really that's why I, I really was talking about earlier about ultimately I think this is a healthy lifestyle. It's a, it is. It's a ro- it's a road to hoe to get there, but once you're there at least the conditions you're dealing with are, you know, you're slowly healing the gut and possibly, well, I'll, I'll ask this in a form of a question if I can. Okay. Do you, in the, in the epidemic answers and in your own work, do you always try and get people to go either at least wheat free and then possibly grain free for at least a period of time while they're in the healing process or perhaps forever? Well, wheat-free for sure, and we do mention that in uh, the Brain Under Attack book, um, because wheat, mostly because of what's been done to it, uh, can cause a blood-brain barrier breach, which is really kind of scary all by itself. Um, But it's also one of the top allergens in the world. I think dairy is probably number one, and I think wheat and or gluten is really what we're talking about, right? So gluten would be wheat, barley, rye, and uh, oats that are not certified as gluten-free, and that's one of those sticky points that not a lot of people really realize. They're like, oh, I'll just go eat some oats. Um, but as far as the grain-free part, yeah, it can help for sure. Um, that's not something that I probably recommend to people right off the bat because it takes time. I mean, if you're the kind of person like me, sure, go ahead and do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but for a lot of people, if you're eating the standard American diet, that can be just such a huge change in the in the way of life. And the problem really crops up when you get around family and friends and it's <laughs> around the holidays and grandma wants to sneak, you know, your son or your kid, you know, your daughter, some, some of the regular food. Oh, it won't hurt them. You know, not understanding. And, um, that things have really changed from, you know, when they were kids or when they were growing up and they were, when they were raising you. Um, but you know, family and friends can be well-meaning, but may, may not, understand very well but certainly wheat would be a good one and we do talk about that in the book so um, eliminating potential food allergens and so it's not just IgE kind of allergies that can cause anaphylactic 
uh, allergies, which you would obviously have excluded from your child's diet anyway because you don't want anaphylaxis, but things mm. that can cause IgG, IgG kind of food sensitivities because that can cause ongoing chronic inflammation. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to lower the amount of inflammation that the body is experiencing because if it's going on in the gut, it's going on in the brain. So that's a great book title. That's your that's your next book. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit long, but yeah. I know it's a little bit long, but I think it's such a it's so true that, you know, that, that having been uh repeatedly exposed to DDT as a child because I grew up in an agricultural area and I'm old enough that there were actually planes flying over the fields um near where I lived and it was DDT. I mean it was in the 50s wow. and 60s. And yeah. so you you know as a kid you were driving up through the Salinas Valley and or I would you'd I'd stick my head out the window and be dusted by a crop duster because wow how cool is that. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time not realizing that of course that was DVT. And yeah. so you know gut is an issue and anything we can do to help remove some of those stressors and then there's the whole I'll only try and say this once glyphosate issue. And then we'll move mm-hmm. along because that's a whole cranky show. Is oh, that yeah. Yeah. it's so evil? I can't. Mm-hmm. I was going to try and come up mm-hmm. with another word, but I can't. Glyphosate is just evil, and what it does to not only our the foods that we eat and the blow by and everything, it's just so mm-hmm. invasive that I think you know eliminating wheat. And I mean, I'm you know a big fan of a great pizza, but wheat is mm-hmm. so tricky uh, that it just. Yeah. And the leaky gut, the gut-brain relationship now has become so acknowledged uh, that I think it's that part is exciting that people are really getting that that is really a true thing. And like you say, there's always, in particular, it's so perfect we're doing this at this time of year as we're coming up to the Christmas. We we survived Thanksgiving <laughs> where somebody yeah. inevitably is there's going to be, an, I don't mean to blame it on an ant, but in my case it was usually an ant <laughs> who was like, oh, no, he can have a piece of pie with, you know, wheat and uh, dairy and everything. And they're like, right. they're not yeah. the ones riding home with the kid in the car. They're fine. Exactly. Um, so, you know, gut health. Talk about gut health. I mean, well, actually, let me back that up first. Are, mm-hmm. are there always liver conditions? I mean, do we talk about methylation? Do we Do we always kind of have liver in here as a consideration, as a soft indicator? Yeah. Like eczema. Well, yeah, so, yeah, so that's one of the soft signs for sure. I forgot to mention it. Thank you for doing that, is that eczema can be one of those soft signs too. Um, and to me, that says that, um, you know, the skin is the body's largest organ of elimination. And so it's really the first indicator that something's going on inside that needs help. And typically that's the liver, right? Because the liver is getting backed up and it, typically also means that um, there's constipation going on, right? So the liver's not able to completely do its job because everything just sort of keeps backing up, <laughs> right? And so, uh, yeah, and so the problem I had when I, you know, when my boys were younger and I'd take them to the pediatrician and the pediatrician would say, oh, just put some of the, you know, topical uh, cortisone cream on it. And I'm like, okay, you know. That's what the mm. doctor said. That's what I did. They didn't tell me that doing that can actually drive the disease process further into the body. And sure enough, my son developed asthma from that because the that toxic uh, or the body's expression of trying to get rid of those toxins uh, goes deeper and the lungs are another organ of elimination. And, you know, since the bowels are backed up anyway it's like where's this going to go right so it's got to go somewhere and so uh yeah the liver is definitely something that should be addressed i personally prefer a nature path for dealing with those kinds of issues because they really understand how everything works together well Um, they also understand lymphatic drainage which is not addressed as far as i've ever known by any kind of Western medical doctor. Maybe some are starting to get into it, but um, naturopaths, in my view, really understand that. All right. I have a follow-up question to that, but we're going to take a slight break for our sponsor. We'll be right back. Soundhealthportal.com. 
The body's vocal indicators move with every frequency set that goes from your brain to any part of your body. We have a Dr. Russ Rudy who came to us on a scooter. He had multiple sclerosis. Frequencies of his nerves were dead from the waist down. I'm speaking as a physician and a patient. Uh, I went down the medical road first. I didn't get to any answers that were acceptable to me. You know, when they hear something like, I'm going to listen to you speak, and I'm going to analyze, and I'm going to play tones for you and make you better, it just sounds so foreign to what we're expecting. And it took us from November of one year to May of the next, and it regrew the nerves from his waist down. So now we can believe it because it was science. I, I've seen it work in so many cases. Oh, I'm proof of it. I mean, nobody, nobody five or six years ago would expect me to be doing what I am today. Join us at soundhealthportal.com. So things that are out there that we don't have very good treatment for, why shouldn't they be allowed to try something different? So regarding the naturopathic approach, mm-hmm. I, I'm yep. well. No, I'll just ask. Okay. No, no, I, I'm trying to formulate the question without sounding like I'm. <laughs> I don't want to say attacking, but anti-pharmaceutical. Um, do you talk about and and do you look at research about using herbs as a as a an approach for some of the conditions? For as you said, I think about herbal formulas as a that are specifics for the lymphatics or herbal mm-hmm. formulas that are specific for helping peristalsis, but not being an addictive, they just help peristalsis in the gut or, you know, all sorts of herb mm-hmm. potentials. And do right. in epidemic answers, do you, do you talk about the idea of using herbal approach perhaps to start yeah. versus going right away okay. and blitzing it out with the napalm of pharmaceuticals? Right. Yeah, we do talk about that um, both on the website. Uh, I believe there is a page dedicated for herbal remedies. We also talk about it in the book, Brain Under Attack, as well. Um, Lee Calden, MD, I don't know if you know who he is, but he mm-hmm. uh, developed the Lee Calden Lyme protocol and he uses herbal remedies uh, to help Lyme. And he says specifically in the book, you know, why do you want to go out there and carpet bomb the whole uh, immune system and digestive system with antibiotics because you're just killing everything basically. Whereas if you use herbals, they're a lot gentler on the body. Um, they can go directly to where they're needed. Uh, as far as the research goes, we do have some research listed on the Epidemic Answers website. It just depends on which page that you're on. But if you're really looking for that kind of stuff, I would say go to greenmedinfo.com because Sayer G has done a fantastic job of cataloging all the different herbal remedies and non-toxic, non-pharmaceutical remedies that are out there um, as far as peer-reviewed medical research studies and showing you where they are. So that's a really good place to start, too. And I'm obviously a fan of herbs, and I and I just think of a lot of things that you could be using that are gentle, you know, more gentle in terms of detoxifiers for the liver, or the lymphatics, mm-hmm. or even helping as bronchodilators, or just you know, sure. even getting into things like aromatherapy, where it's gentler mm-hmm. on the system. Uh, maybe yeah. occasionally you need to blitz it out with an antibiotic, but there are so many things you can do before that, and and particularly. Because we're dealing with kids, I think herbs are a great mm-hmm. approach because they're kids. Their little tiny immune yes. systems are just formulating. Let's try this first for a week at least. Right, right. You know, that's yeah. that's that's my opinion. That's my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, comfortable with that. But I just think well, it, and go ahead. I would say for a parent, you know, if you're not familiar or comfortable with herbs, you know, find an herbalist such as yourself, or a lot of naturopaths are taught. Um, about herbs uh-huh. um, there are a lot of practitioners that you could work with to help guide you through the process um, I would recommend that for sure especially for little kids you know because you always want to start low and slow with these kinds of things <laughs> well and and talk to us about building gut health since you mm-hmm. since your new book coming out soon about gut health in the brain. I forget what that title was, but it was really good. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> about about helping. Okay, so let's say we've eliminated wheat as one thing, mm-hmm. as a as a gut irritant. Uh, let's talk about 
really helping the gut, making the he- the gut healthier. Do you talk about that? I know you talked about that as a practitioner. I'm I'm guessing that you also address that in epidemic answers, talking about gut health and as, as a general thing. Right, we did. Um, in the book, we didn't get too deeply into that because you know that's a whole other thing, like you said, right? So yeah. um, we just sort sort of want to plant those seeds and have parents know that that is definitely something to be addressed. But certainly, like I said, removing those common food sensitivities. <clears throat> which is gluten, dairy, eggs, soy, corn, fish, shellfish, nuts, tree nuts, peanuts, uh, usually citrus and chocolate. Um, eliminate those for a week. It's called an elimination diet. And then reintroduce them one at a time every fourth day. And that's a really good indicator. Um, you know, if you when you challenge if you see something going on with your kids, you can kind of trace it back to the the food sensitivity. Um, but a lot of food sens- sensitivities don't show up for two to three days, and that's why you need to keep a food journal. So if it's an if it's a food allergy, a food true food allergy, it'll show up pretty quickly, and you'll know it, right? Because like all of a sudden your child can't breathe, and they need an EpiPen. Um, but for these kinds of things, we're looking for things like stomach aches or headaches or uh, problems with focus and attention or behavioral problems, um, constipation, rashes, you know, all sorts of things. And so that's, in my mind, the first step that you need to help heal the gut. Well, I think it's a great thing to get a list of things that you want the child to avoid. That's that's a mm-hmm. really powerful thing. I mean, again, I'm back to, uh, I'll be saying this even more because I still think as a lifestyle, I think this is a great process to find the mm-hmm. things that are going to irritate your kid or make them not as focused in school as, you know, clean up their diet and make their gut healthier. And and what do you talk about in terms of uh, environmental exposures? And I mean even just talking about, you know, maybe a HEPA filter in the child's bedroom so at night when they're sleeping they're in a room with clean of air as possible or, you know, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Do we talk about environmental factors, those kinds of environmental oh, factors? Yeah, absolutely. We talk about, you know, going through your home, you know, cleaning the air, cleaning the water, um, you know, all sorts of different ways you can clean up the home. Like don't use any kind of products that have fragrance in them because that is, you know, can be neurotoxic, um, especially things like dryer sheets, um, either neurotoxic or you know, harm the liver. Like I can't handle those things. Like somebody comes over to my house and I can just smell it. They've used like <laughs> detergents or dryer sheets, and I'm like, my, I feel like I want to throw up. I'm sorry, I'm just too yeah. sensitive to these days. But things like that, and we we have a whole lot of resources on the epidemicanswers.org website, but also in the Brain Under Attack book um, about ideas for cleaning up your home and cleaning up your life, making your home a sanctuary so that the child can heal. Um, The other thing that I think we really need to talk about too is causes of those blood-brain barrier breaches because that's something that is really just now coming into light as far as peer-reviewed medical research. And if you get the book, you'll see that there are, I don't know, I want to I forget how many pages, maybe 10 pages of research um, that's been put in there that talks a lot about those different causes, although we write about it in the text as well. So things like antibiotics. And so if you happen to take your child to a pans, pandas literate doctor and or a Lyme literate doctor, you're typically going to get a practitioner that will carpet bomb the infection with antibiotics. And uh, there is research that shows that antibiotics by themselves can cause blood-brain barrier breaches. And so that's on your line of thinking. Um, I prefer to use things like herbal remedies rather than antibiotics just for that reason, because you're, you know, winning the battle, but you're losing the war. other causes of blood-brain barrier breaches are ultrasounds, which is really kind of scary because what are we doing to these babies when they're, you know, just 
uh, in utero, right? They're getting ultrasounds, and ultrasounds have been shown to cause blood-brain barrier breaches. And in fact, they're being used as therapy for, I think it was Alzheimer's patients, because um, uh, doctors will use ultrasound to guide large molecules across the blood-brain barrier for therapy for these kinds of patients, which is really kind of scary. It's like, if they know that it can be used as a therapy to do that, you know, what about doing this to babies, you know, to, in, you know, in utero kids, right? And so what is that happening? How's that working? And um, electromagnetic fields can cause it. So things like Wi-Fi, we put a lot of research in there, how Wi-Fi can cause it, cell phones, um, you know, baby monitors, Mm. And you think about kids these days, they're being bombarded with Wi-Fi left and right. Um, so that's something to look at. Um, vaccines can cause those blood-brain barrier breaches, especially there's a an adjuvant that's included in vaccines it's called polysorbate 80. It's used to breach the blood-brain barrier, right? And so, uh, or... Um, traumatic brain injury, concussion, you know, those, that as well as gluten, um, those are probably the big causes of those blood-brain barrier breaches. And then what happens is that you get those infections that cross into the brain. But the problem I found um, for my own kids and then just working with some of my own clients too is that, like I said, if you go to a Lyme literate or pandas literate practitioner, they're just going to see that one infection and they're not really understanding that there are typically multiple multiple infections and not just bacterial um, but also viral and um, I wrote a, in my story in the book you'll read it, it says Maria's story <clears throat> of how um, we look for herpetic viruses too and I, I really feel that that is sort of an underlying issue for a lot of these kids is just not being addressed. And so herpetic viruses can be things like Epstein-Barr virus, like Anthony Williams, the medical medium, talks about, um, but could also be other types of herpetic viruses like cytomegalovirus or, um, you know, the human herpes viruses, you know, HHV1, HHV2, HHV6, you know, all on up to 10 and beyond, really, um, is that they are attracted to the toxicity in the, body, in the body. Stress will activate them. Uh, the viruses become active at that time during the state of stress, and then the immune system really goes haywire, and that's when I find that uh, those bacterial and or fungal infections will just sort of pile on, and it's just a big old happy party for all the pathogens, and not so much for the kids. And so that's why I really like to take a very holistic view of what's going on with these kids. And, yeah, it can play into adulthood, too. It's just that it's typically the onset typically happens around childhood. Well, and the thing about pathogens is they're they're like bad neighbors who want to party too much. They are very Mm -hmm. opportunistic. They really, they, they find a, a weak niche and I, and I'm, totally with you on the hepatic viruses as an underlying possibility because they create a stress in the liver and then the liver is sort of, oh boy, is trying to hold its own. And then there's hmm. just one little opportunity for a pathogen to get in there and it's going to lock and load and hmm. go for a weakened condition. And so, uh, man, how it's all, it's such a, we've, we're such a fine balancing act in our own immune mm-hmm. systems and particularly in my view and particularly because we have such a tremendous toxic load environmentally, right. everything that you mm-hmm. named, we have environmental issues, we have EMF issues and, and I, and I have to put a sidebar in here about the EMF and kids. Is it mm-hmm. just, I, I've actually gotten in trouble with some parents when I see their young child holding their iPad or tablet of your choice uh, on their yeah. belly watching movies. Yeah. Like that's okay. Right. Really? Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Really? Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, or I mean, at least da- now, if you want to, if you want to download them, if you want to download them to the tablet and turn off mm-hmm. Wi-Fi, 
and have them watch. Yeah. Okay, that's one thing. But to have, right. a, you know, waves, 5G or, well, 5G is a whole separate bad issue. Right. You know, right. any any of the radio frequencies coming to the system, it's just, I, it, I think, and from interviewing Bruce Lipton a number of times, it's confusing the cells, I think. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just think it's another stressor that's just bad. Um, so, yeah. and then, you know, you get into this opportunistic thing where you have an stressed immune system, which is maybe mm-hmm. just stressed unto itself. And because there's that, you have stress in the system and then you add EMF into that mix and it's just a whole pile of toxic load. So I think just mm-hmm. stripping more and more away. And I don't mean we all have mm-hmm. to move to a cabin and, you know, read books only. <laughs> but I think we just have to be smart about what we're doing, especially with young right. immune systems. That's why I'm such a fan right. of your work because it's about young immune systems because I'm, I, I have some of the results of having this as a kid now as an adult. And I'm way into adult. Mm-hmm. I'm old. Right. <laughs> and right. there's still stuff that hangs on. Well, I'm old yeah. enough. I'm pretty old. Okay. okay. And um, so it's really everything that you're saying so fits. And, and as you said, you just, just the things I made some notes about, you know, the ultrasound, which is horrifying. I'd, I'd heard that once before, mm-hmm. but it's just like, really? We're, we're ultrasound in every TV medical show there is. There's always a scene where they want to show the mother the new baby with using ultrasound. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wow, look. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, really? My, yeah, my kids had them too. You know, but I did put the, the research into the book in case anybody says, oh, I don't believe that. You know, go look at the research for it that's in the book. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not making it up. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and what are we, some of the, do you talk about prebiotics and probiotics? I, I'm back on making a healthy gut. I, I like the idea of having a healthy gut as possible mm-hmm. as a foundation and then work out from yeah. there. Happy liver, happy okay. gut, and then work out from there. So what do you, in I know in your own practice, but also in Epidemic Answers, what do we? What do you talk about about gut health? Well, like we talked about earlier, you know, first of all, is that child pooping every day? Uh, a good poop, um, not diarrhea. We got to make sure that happens first. And if not, then uh, let's make that happen. So, you know, magnesium is really good for helping with daily bowel movements. Um, magnesium citrate. Um, really helps with that. Uh, vitamin C can help with that. Um, chia seeds, moving, <laughs> hydration. You know, most people are, are very hyd- uh, unhydrated these days or dehydrated, right? So that can help too. Um, and this is something that I help my patients or my clients work with on a one-on-one basis too, is working through all those different aspects of um <clears throat> the gastrointestinal system and digestion because that's really where the immune system is the most, the bulk of it is, right? And so, you know, maybe the kid needs to take some kind of digestive enzymes. Maybe the kid isn't making enough stomach acid, Um, those sorts of things. And definitely prebiotics, probiotics, anything to get that um, community of (laughs) you know, friendly, not just bacteria, but they're finding viruses and yeast. Some of them can be friendly and helpful too. So don't think that all viruses are bad or all fungus is bad or, you know, all bacteria are bad because we really don't know. We're just now starting to scratch the surface on this. So let's not just go in there and kill everything with antibiotics. You know, let's work with what we have. So, Well, in... I, there's a, I want to, it's not exactly a trend, but I have seen, uh, I think the term is helicopter parenting. And in mm-hmm. reference to, I have seen homes where, I'll say moms, but it's not always just moms, but they get into the, they're so concerned about their child that they're having them use hand sanitizers and handy wipes every time they just think. Yeah. There's yeah, this just yeah. like, oh, my God, my baby could be something. And and where's the – we need that to bring back a trend of dirt is good. <laughs> I 
I know, right? Dirt <laughs> I used to is play in dirt you, all the time. I, I used to play kid. in the dirt. I grew up in an agricultural <laughs> area. I was out with the migrant <laughs> children playing in the dirt. <laughs> um, you know, dirt is, dirt, but dirt. Well, yeah, that's true. I know, but it was still dirt. There was good stuff in there. DDD, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. not so good. Um, but I mean, yeah. the dirt is, you know, becomes this, the, there's this phase, or I don't know what it is, where they become mm-hmm. completely crazed about every contact with dirt, not really kind of understanding about that's how we help build an immune system, just as you said. Viruses, mm-hmm. not all viruses are bad. Not all things mm-hmm. we're exposed to. This is how we build an immune system. That's why it's called an mm-hmm. immune system. So how do you, do you address that? Not that part of like, no, don't sanitize everything. Yeah. Stop I with mean, the you know, we say, you know, don't use disinfectants, disinfectants. Or if you do, you know, use natural ingredients like vinegar or uh, thyme oil, other essential oil, um, salt is a disinfectant, right? Um, don't use bleach because I think it's banned in Europe from what I've read. Uh, it's just not safe, right? And certainly don't use things like triclosan. I I know that the, I want to say it was the FDA, <clears throat> was on its way to banning it a few years ago. I don't know if that's completely happened, but if it hasn't, don't buy any ingredients, you know, any kind of products that have that as an ingredient. For sure. And what you're talking about is the hygiene hypothesis, uh, right? And that's where if you are in too clean of an environment, uh, especially as a baby, then the baby isn't exposed to any of those things that will help to build the immune system, including viruses and viral infections, you know. And so people have been sort of scared to think that, oh, no, there's a chickenpox outbreak, outbreak, you know, going on right now when it's, that's not a bad thing. It actually helps to build the body's immune system. Or there's a measles outbreak. Um, you know, measles, chickenpox, mumps, you know, those were all thought of and still thought of over in Europe as very benign diseases that actually help to build the immune system. And I believe that some researchers have found that kids who are not exposed to those kinds of viruses in the natural condition actually have much higher risk of cancer because their immune system just isn't trained to deal with things like that. They're, it's an artificial immunity that we're uh, exposing them to. So um, you can look at kids that grow up on farms or like in the Amish community or places like that, you know, where they're handling dirty things all day long, right? And uh, they actually have much healthier immune systems. And I want to jump back slightly to, uh, you mentioned digestive enzymes. Um, mm-hmm. Just a couple of weeks ago, I replayed a show we did with Lita Lee, who wrote a book called, um, uh-oh, Enzyme Cure. There it is. And she was uh, trained by Howard Loomis, who invented some of the early plant-derived digestive enzymes. And I just think mm-hmm. digestive enzymes do no harm. I mean, they do nothing but good I think everybody <laughs> at this time should could be taking digestive enzymes, plant-based digestive enzymes, and I say that versus the, the bile-based, which is a different category. But the plant-derived enzymes are nothing but good. They're going to do nothing but help your body digest the food. Perhaps some protease or serapeptase bleeds over mm-hmm. out of your digestive system into your bloodstream and help cleans it up. Oh, no, not that. I mean. Yeah, no, that's a good thing. Like, Digestive enzymes are great, and even if you then right. move into using them metabolically in between meals. And also our old friend, one of Jonathan Wright, Jonathan Wright, uh, MD, wrote a book oh, yeah. called uh, Stomach Acid is Your uh, – uh-oh, Stomach Acid is Something, Your Friend, or I forget what it is. I've been, talked to him mm-hmm. a number of times. Good old hydrochloric acid is a digestive aid. Um, yes. Hello. You know. We're back to basics. Yeah, and oh my God, look, we're back to like when he wrote that book in the seventies about hydrochloric right. acid as an aid. Well, I mean, as as a ahead. parent, you know, because my kids had acid reflux as babies, and yeah. you know, doctors are just so quick to put them on Prevacid or Prilosec or Nexium or whatever. You know, it's a an acid blocker, and now I want to <sighs> scream. 
<laughs> you know, knowing what I know, it's like, oh. no, that's absolutely the worst thing. It's not that there's too much stomach acid. It's the timing of it. Right. Right. And so it's, it's, it's like the car, the old car in the seventies, you know, they don't have that these days, but I guess with a carburetor or something, right. You put your foot on the gas, try to get it to go and you flood the engine. I don't know if you can do that with cars these days. Um, <laughs> But it was the timing of the issue, right? And so all of a sudden you got too much gas and then the engine stalls and, you know, it doesn't work anymore. Or it's the same thing with the hydrochloric acid. And so the hydrochloric acid is other than the um, digestive enzymes that are in your mouth when you start to chew the food, that's really your first line of defense against pathogens. Because, and you need that stomach acid to kill off those pathogens so that they don't make it any further down. And that's what happens a lot of times is that you do have those pathogens that, you know, get on by the stomach and the stomach acid and they go set up shop in the small and large intestines. And that's not a good thing. I never like to hear the phrase set up shop and my gut involved at all because it's bad. <laughs> it always yeah. leads to bad. I don't want anybody setting up shop down there. Thank you. It's, it's always, you know, bloating, Having and a bad party. feeling. <laughs> Having a party is bad, and I've I've actually been uh, I've been asked politely or not so politely at some dinner parties where to stop talking about hydrochloric acid because I have some friends who are on Prilosec and I regularly mm. grind on them about the mm. long term effect of being on Prilosec and how I can't use any of those words on air how bad they're going to end up from Thank having you. their body they on lower, yeah go ahead yeah the lower levels of B twelve right? And if you have a B12 deficiency, you're going to end up with a neurological condition somewhere down the line. There's a really good book about that called Could It Be B12? And um, they lower levels of magnesium and other minerals. And so you're going to have a magnesium deficiency. And if you have a magnesium deficiency, you're much likelier to have a heart attack, right? So, uh, and you, you need... Um, you need all that to help digest your food. So yeah, it's just, and, and there are other things. Uh, I've written a really good blog post about it on my website on mariarickertong.com. If you just, you know, type in probably like, I think it's a acid reflux medication, you know, just why those things are just so not good for you. If you just read the label, which I never did, you know, my doctor recommended it and I said, okay, you know, my kids were on it for years. <laughs> I'm like, kick myself now for doing that having not read the label but um it's it's right there on the label all we have to do is read it <laughs> all we have to do is read it oh my god not that uh, I yeah I and they're did. so willing and they're so willing to you know just prescribe Prilosec like the thing it's like the happy blue pill mm-hmm. whatever the happy blue pill is that you see commercials on one of those happy blue pills where it's like, oh, right. look, I feel better. And I just, I can hear Jonathan Wright shrieking in my ear, even in my brain, even as I think about that idea of like, no. Yeah. <laughs> just well, that's what was frustrating for, for me as a new parent. You know, my son was just a year old, still had projectile vomiting and throwing up after every meal. You know, he'd been to one of the top allergists in Mount Sinai in New York City. He'd been to a gastroenterologist you know, the pediatrician, none of them said, take out dairy. (laughs) Like, they don't even look at that, which is really frustrating. And when I took out the dairy, because that's what my naturopath recommended, holy cow, he stopped throwing up. His asthma got better. His eczema got better. I'm like, what's going on here? How come nobody's talking about this, right? And that's because there's no money to be made by telling you to take out dairy, from your kid's diet, right? Because there's not a medication for that. (laughs) It it was really frustrating to have to go to all of these quote-unquote experts and not have them tell me this. Yeah. (laughs) That seems like such a, I can't believe we're here already, but that's such a perfect area to close on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That like, there's nobody, nobody's telling you like, have you tried taking away dairy? What about wheat? Yeah. You know, how about we just yeah. rotate, do a rotational diet for a month and see how that works? I mean, there's yeah. some, you know, they're not easy, but they're simple. Uh, right. You know, things yeah. that you it's can try. Definitely, 
Yeah, you definitely need like a good month away. So I don't recommend doing this kind of stuff like during the holidays like we are right now. But maybe yeah. at the beginning of the new year when you've got like a big block of time and you can set aside. You really have to plan this stuff because if you, excuse me, if you start that elimination diet and then um, there's an infraction, you really need to go back to the beginning. So you got to make sure that it's because you want clean data, right? Yeah. Um, so you got to make sure that there aren't any infractions just so you can do a proper test of what's going on with your kid's digestive system. Yeah, it's really, it's it's amazing. Back to the future. <laughs> Jonathan Wright mm-hmm. with his book, Stomach yeah. Acid is Good for You. That's the name of the title, Stomach Acid is Good for You. Um, oh, good. Really, that, that is actually his book. I have it here on the shelf. I could finally see it. Um, okay. Well, we're at the point where I have to ask you, how do, I think I'll ask, how do people work with you because you have your own practice? And how do you suggest people find out more or how do they do they work with Epidemic Answers, not just the, the book, but the actual group? And where would you like them to find Brain Under Attack? Um, let's see. I'll start with the last one first. So Brain Under Attack, you can find on Amazon both as a Kindle and also as an ebook. If you can't uh, afford it just yet, um, there is a website that I've set up it's called brainunderattack.com. Just know that if you do purchase the book, 100% of the proceeds go back to Epidemic Answers, which is a nonprofit uh, to support the work that we do. Um, and you wouldn't really work with Epidemic Answers, but you would go on to the website epidemicanswers.org to find lots of great resources for helping you to understand what's going on with your child. Um, I interview people myself as the media director <laughs> for Epidemic Answers. And so I do monthly webinars where I interview people like Dr. Calden um, and plenty of others. Um, I put out a monthly newsletter, got a lot of great resources on there. And then as far as working with me, if you go to my website, www.mariarickert, R-I-C-K-E-R-T, as in Tom, Hong, H-O-N-G.com, um, and I've got some great resources and recipes on there as well. I've got all sorts of different ways to work with me from a monthly membership call to a consultation to a um, study program to a one-on-one program. Um, you know, everybody has different abilities and um, resources where they are, and so I help work with them wherever that they are. And so the, the books and the websites are certainly great, low-cost places to start and I understand you know a lot of people are uh, coming at this from you know not having so many resources and so we try to meet people where they are in that regard and there's a lot of um, I'll say having spent time on both sites there's a lot of great information on MariaRickardHong.com as well as EpidemicAnswers.org just to kind of like begin to go to you know get an overview and an idea and I really I really recommend Brain Under Attack. Well, your book as well, but I really recommend uh, Brain Under Attack as a lifestyle. I just think it's, mm-hmm. you know, I, I it does no. I mean, even if your kid has nothing now, why not have them go into the world this way with a you know cleaner mm-hmm. diet? Because the toxic load is not going to get better environmentally, particularly yeah. under this administration. Um, you know, the, yeah. 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 Um, I'll stop there. <laughs> um, yeah. But I mean, there's just so much in the air and in the water and in the the dirt, you know, even though I'm still a fan of dirt, I can't help that there's DDT mm-hmm. in there. I think still dirt, underlying dirt is good. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's just a lot of great information, a lot of great resources on both those sites. And I really recommend, particularly because it's available as a Kindle now, The Brain Under Attack, go get it. It's a, it's a good read. Thank you. Um, Thank you. And, uh, and uh, can I make yeah. one other sure. um, statement? Please. So Epidemic Answers is sponsoring the Documenting Hope Project, and we have recently received IRB approval for our study. CHIRP stands for Children's Health Inventory for Resilience and Prevention. We actually have a call for participants right now. Um, we're seeking participants for this new children's health study. 
And it's basically like a very comprehensive health history. We're looking for sick kids, healthy kids, any kids to be in it. The information in there is confidential um, and it is HIPAA protected and it's encrypted. So you don't have to worry about, you know, people hacking into it um, because the survey data is stored on a secure HIPAA compliant platform. Study data is going to be de-identified for research purposes. So you don't have to worry about that. But if you're a parent and you, it, it does take some time <laughs> to actually go through, depending on how many health issues your child has, um, you will get a free personalized health report with those red flags um, marked you know, that you can print out and you can bring to your child's pediatrician or other practitioner. And we're hoping to actually get the practitioners to implement this too for their pediatric clients. So it's, it's open and available for kids ages 1 to 15 in the continental United States. So, Wonderful. Um, it's docu- sorry, www.documentinghope.com. Um, if you go to there, you'll see a little banner for the CHIRP study, or you can go to documentinghope.com forward slash CHIRP dash study. Um, it can't be taken on a cell phone, just so you know. So anyway. <laughs> okay. And I will put that, I put that in chat, but I'll also add that to the show notes. So for people listening to this, you'll be able to go to the show notes and you can find those by going to soundhealthoptions.com, clicking on the radio tab and click on sound health radio and the link to back to this show will be there with that link to documentinghope.com slash chirp dash study. Well, thank you, Maria. That was fun. Uh, you know, it's a great yeah. conversation, but you know, it's, it's such a tricky area, but I'm so happy with the work that you, you and epidemic answers is doing is we need we more of this. All right. Well, everybody we have a great, yeah. yeah, we do. Go ahead. Yeah. Thank you. I, I was going to say, we actually have a health coach training program. Um, if mm. there are parents and or health coaches that have been certified through other uh, health coach certification bodies, um, we it's more of a supplemental. So if you went to the Institute for Integrative T- uh, Nutrition like I did, um, it would be supplemental. It's complementary to it. It's not uh, as, you know, it doesn't take the place of it. Um, but certainly as a parent, you could take it as well, and you could find that on the epidemicanswers.org website too. I mean, speaking of having more people out there, we need an army of, of moms and parents that are um, doing this kind of work to help their kids. But we are. I mean, it's such a grassroots effort, right? You know, <laughs> that's yeah. what we're having to do. <laughs> that, that's, that's it exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a grassroots thing. Get in the dirt. That's my clothes. All right, everybody have a great rest of the week and we'll see you next weekend. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Thank you.